is More Than Before with Nathan Cook. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. I am super excited for our guest today. She is an inspirational speaker, five-time, not not four, five-time best-selling author. She is the host of the Everyday Leaders podcast with over, my gosh, I had to, I had to update my numbers here. It's over 130 episodes recorded. If you want to hear all of them, you got you to gotta go to YouTube. Get over there. And then on top of that, she holds uh, degrees in business administration, organizational leadership, psychology. She is certified in a number of different organizations like Maxwell Leadership, Simon Sinek's Y Institute. The list goes on and on and on. She's a decorated learner. Let's just say that. And my favorite part about her is she is a huge fan of 50 foot cat five cables. <laughs> Not going to lie. <laughs> Melanie, Ake, it's so good to have you on the podcast. Uh, I can't believe it's taken this long to get you on a podcast of mine. Uh, and that's my fault. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm, I'm excited to chat with you. Oh my gosh. I am so excited. When you reached out, I was like, I get to be on your podcast? I am like thrilled. This is awesome. Because, you know, now you know what it's like. When you're the host, you have to organize all of it and like get all your stuff and get all your questions. There's a think, lot more work. What's happening? <laughs> I just want to come on and talk. <laughs> I, need to, I need to have someone to do like all of the backward prick. You know, it's funny because, you know, once you start listening to other people in their podcasts or you listen to the guests like, oh, that's an amazing question. That's the I've never been asked that question before. And you're like, ooh, I want to be that guest. And then you have your first guest on and you're like trying to figure out like, what do I ask them? I don't like I know nothing about them. I thought we were good friends. And all of a sudden they're telling me that they grew up in Wyoming writing cows with purple wings <laughs> with purple wings <laughs> well melanie you have some incredible stuff that is going on right now in your life i'd love for you to tell everyone like what's what's going on in your life uh you know you've been the host of the everyday leaders podcast for quite a while now and you're actually getting ready to launch a new uh show if i'm not mistaken and you also have some other stuff that you're kind of learning right now <sighs> give us give us a lowdown so I'll just say God is showing up, right? God is showing up in my life like never before. And a lot of it is because I finally just stepped in. I stepped in and started taking action on what he was telling me, which was show up. I want you to show up and learn more about what I need you to do. We talk about purpose life, right? But it's more than just kind of studying it or you can go to a leadership conference and you can say, oh, I've gotten certified and I'm all filled up and I'm energized. And, and yet that step, of what we say taking action is the biggest thing that's made the biggest change for me. And so, like you said, you know, mm. <laughs> I've recorded over 200 interviews and a lot of those are, are they're actually on um, where you can find them. <laughs> and the rest of it, I'm going to blame Joe on. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but you Which, know, by the way, if you don't know Joe, <laughs> Joe is like a, her husband. He's like everything that works right in this world. Meaning when technology goes correctly, Joe is usually behind you fixing things. Like before we even start, I didn't even tell you this before we even started, my computer crashed and it was literally booting up. Like the, it, the, the, the bar kept going across the screen and it got halfway across and then it would start over and it did that for over an hour. So here I am sitting in my office going, well, I hope it works. I hope it works. And oh my God. So if you had, a, if I had a Joe in my life a little more often, I might actually be able to have working equipment. That's why Melanie looks so great right now. Maybe. And she maybe. sounds great you, too. You might have the opportunity to have, right? 
Because <laughs> Joe's, okay, so I am certified with the Y Institute and my why is challenge. So everything that I do, I step into it and think about how can I make it disruptive? How can I think about it so that it's not like anything else that you do that nobody else has done, that it can be created? And that's kind of exhausting, <laughs> but it's also one of the gifts that I've had that before I joined the John Maxwell team, I really didn't own it. You know, I just thought, mm. okay, that I know I'm a good person, that I like to help people. And, you know, that, that whole like, oh, what do you like to do in the world? Oh, I like to help people. Okay, but what specifically do you like to do? And so my journey has been in medical device technologies, disruptive technologies, you know, really helping physicians learn about innovative products that are changing the marketplace. And I, I started to learn, like, that's who I love to serve because that's what I did until I was eliminated. <laughs> you know, until they told me, you don't have any value here. And, um, and that was at 50, <laughs> right? That was like a critical wow. point for people. And I know you're way younger. You could actually be my child. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. Let's not let's not you know be putting things in people's ears now. Like they, they don't they, if they don't if they don't see me right it. now, they, they think I'm an old wise man. Wait a minute. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? You just kind of think at certain yeah. points in your life, certain things are going to happen. And so I always thought, gosh, these people in corporate America, when they get to this, things really change. And it happened to me yeah. too. And I just thought, what? Why is this? Why does this happen? And so, so significant that there were so many things lining up that I was really intentional about. And so I just continued to be intentional because I saw that the rewards were coming back to me like, you get to lift more people up. You're adding value. You're learning more. You're having more opportunities open. So things from live events to continuing to do leadership podcast to, to audio, then we went... <laughs> We went virtual. <laughs> and then through COVID, we continued to find better ways through StreamYard and, and lots of other uh, programs, right, so that we could serve more yeah. people. We did a live virtual six-hour live event. And that was awesome. And yeah, Joe was on the background running it. But I had a lot of other people by then. I was learning how to really work with a team. And so that taught me a ton of stuff about what I wanted originally to do back when I was 18 I wanted to be in journalism and I, I didn't want to be the Katie Couric, right? That's what I wanted to do. Mm. And, uh, and so things went different though. When I went to Ball State, I just did not, I was not the campus person. <laughs> you know, I may be bubbly, but I thought this you is mean, not for me. This is not for me. I don't want to do it this way. So of course the challenge yeah. brain said, go home and work and figure it out. I love that about you. You know, you really are an odd duck <laughs> in a good way. <laughs> You like, you like to break things. You like to break things. You know, ever, ever since you were a kid, you've liked to break things. And that's one of the things I love about your story. What's really fascinating to me for most people growing up, they do different sports, right? Like I love sports growing up. I did a number of different sports. Melanie did sports too. You're a sports junkie. Not, not that you like watch a ton of sports necessarily, but that you love to participate them like I do. I, I like to get in. I like to, you know, run around. I like to do things. Maybe not as much nowadays. I, I, I break pretty much when I get on the field or you like when I get in the water. I'm like, <laughs> you have to protect <laughs> your babies. babies. <laughs> Yeah. But you've, you've played pretty much everything from volleyball to basketball. Uh, you know, you were, you were on the track team. And I, I think what's really interesting, um, the fact that you started your softball team, you know, in high school 
at uh, Greenwood, Indiana. I think that's pretty spectacular, which we could go into that of, you know, how you decided to challenge like, oh, yeah, we're all going to play on the sports team. Like, let's go. Let's get petitions. Let's go find our own coach. Like, who does that? No one. No one just wakes up one day and says, you know what? I'm going to do something that no one else wants me to do, and I'm just going to stick it to them. This is what Melanie does. But but here's the thing that's really fascinating to me is it's intriguing to me that you decided to play ice hockey, ice hockey in Perry Park, but not only just playing ice hockey, but you were the only girl on the ice hockey team for 12 years. You're the only girl on the team. And I'm curious, like you've been this, you've been this kind of natural leader where you step into things, you challenge things, you you challenge the status quo. And I'm curious, what are some of the natural characteristics that you would say that you possess since you were a young girl trying to make a change, trying to make a difference? What are those natural uh, characteristics that you've had that have kind of been deep down instilled in you? But then I'm also curious, what are some of the qualities that you've developed over your career, right? Like you, you probably didn't want to wake up Saturday morning at 6 a.m. to go to practice, um, <laughs> but you did. That was something you developed. So I'm curious, what were some of the natural characteristics that you had as a leader? And what were some of the characteristics that you had to develop later on in your life? Mm, those are great questions. Uh, the natural characteristics, I think, are a learner. And when I took Strength Finders, that was my very top strength. And I thought, well, no surprise, because I'm not afraid, right? That the When I talk to people, when I coach people, and they say, you know, first of all, I have all these fears. I have this and this and this. And, and we assess the gaps. You know, the 15 laws of growth is my favorite book. So we go to chapter one and I'm like, okay, let's look at these first gaps. Which one of the eight do you want to pick so we can start there? And yet when I looked at those, I had probably four or five that I thought, man, these are really things I need to improve. However, the fear of improving those doesn't scare me. And I think mm. that's when you have a learner mindset and you step into everything that you do because you're like, hey, you're going to add value to yourself and then you can help other people. So, you know, when I said in the beginning, everybody wants to help somebody. Right. And so yeah. for me, being an only child, I didn't really know. Um, I, I wasn't that I didn't know how to share. I didn't have anybody around me. It was my my mom and myself and my dad passed away when I was little. And so I had to create and make the initiative to be able to get involved in things. So I did. And I always mm. said, yes, I want to learn and I want to collaborate and, and I want to help. And, and so going from that to what have I had to learn through my life, which was <laughs> if I'm going to be able to show up and actually do something bigger, I have to have the disciplines and I've got to figure out mm. what does that look like? Now, I'm still not really good at that. <laughs> I wish I was better. I am super you consistent. You don't have the five things, 700 things that you do every single day, Gosh. like, you know, down to a patent. Like, I forget to brush my teeth sometimes. And, oh, my uh, gosh. You know, I'm lucky I get out of the door with clothes sometimes. Or take a shower. Like, you know, through COVID, I'm like, um, I haven't taken a shower every day. <laughs> you know? But then here's the stuff, right? Being disciplined in something that's important to you. And I've still got a list, right? A list of things that I feel like I let people down because I get so excited. I bring them to a point where I'm like, I want to do this. Let's go on this journey. And then I think, well, I'm failing in this discipline because it's just mm. about like, I, I want to get everything done so fast and I want to help so many people. And so today it's like, how do I form teams and communities 
to help me be better disciplined. And that's what I've really learned. And that's why I think right now I'm able to sustain so many programs at the same time that are running parallel that I, you know, I listen and I try to lean in and I try to understand what's happening so that I can create a community around it. And that's why I'm having so much fun right now. You know, when it comes to disciplines, because we all have disciplines in our life, whether we like to admit it or not, it's whether they're good disciplines or bad disciplines. You know, some of like, you know, I heard that somewhere. I, I find it fascinating. <laughs> you've, you've been doing this proverb challenge for 1,425 days over that at this point. It's a daily thing. Like, I don't even remember to take a shower every single day and you're doing this on a daily basis, which it, how, how do you commit to something like that for the for the average person i would say it's it's always a quick burnout right we we say oh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna get in shape or i'm gonna do this or i'm gonna do that i'm gonna i'm gonna read like a paragraph today to help grow myself and five days into it 30 days into it you know 170 days into it it drops off how how in the world do you start doing something like a daily challenge where you get over 1400 days in a row where you're doing this nonstop. How do you, how do you get to that point? It's just every day. Like it is just literally every day when the challenge came on, you know, it was a John Maxwell minute with Maxwell. And it was, if you're looking for wisdom, clarity, purpose, I want you to take the Proverbs challenge. And it was that point in my life where I, I owned a medical device company and I was funding 46 employees. Like it was crazy. I was the dumbest thing that I ever did in my life. And so it really hit me, right? It spoke to my heart to say, I, I think I probably need to do this. And so he, being my mentor, I thought, well, he's never really guided me wrong. So I got a bunch of friends together and said, I'm going to start this challenge on October the 1st because it's September and Proverbs is 31 days, so maybe October is the best day to start this. <laughs> so we yeah. did. And the group that came, you know, they needed it too. So everybody showed up because it spoke to them. It spoke to their heart where they were in their life. And so we, we got online. We got on Zoom in October 1st, 2019. And I had been using Zoom for a long time, so I wasn't afraid of it. Uh, and, and nobody else was, right? We didn't let that stop us. And so anyway, we got through 31 days, Nathan, and we learned so much about ourselves. And part of that is because we, we use the John Maxwell Leadership Bible. And in mm. that, there are so many breakthrough boxes is what we call them. And they're instructions for life, for leadership. And it really has over 600 of these throughout the whole Bible. But what we learned is, and I'll say, and we learned, not but, but and we learned so much about ourselves and, and really helped us focus on growth that we all needed, that we got so inspired, we said, we should just keep going. We should, we should just keep going. Mm. But why would we stop now? So we celebrated. You can find my thing on YouTube where I have my little graduation cap and gown on. It was like, oh, we're going to play the graduation commencement, right? We did it. And yet we said we needed to keep going because we wanted to learn more. There comes that learner thing again. <laughs> and I felt like this was something that I could own the discipline to teach me how to overcome some of these obstacles. Uh, it gave me so much clarity that by December, so now it's 60 days, right? But by December, I had the courage to write a letter to the 
the international company that I was that I was helping kind of develop this U.S. market for. And I just said, I'm done. Like, I don't, I do not want to do this anymore. So it wasn't like I was pushed in a corner or say, hey, you're eliminated. It was my choice. And I just made that decision. Like I had so much clarity. It gave me so much confidence and courage to say, I don't really want to do this this way anymore. That's what changed. And for me, I just, you know, I was like, I'm going to do this every day, no matter what. And so it just kept building and building. And then I had an, an event, February the 29th, 2020. And people came together, we had speakers, and it was awesome, and more people know, knew about it. And so as we were continuing that momentum, then two weeks after that, you know, the whole country, the whole world was shut down. And yeah. so that gave it more visibility for people that needed a safe space to come to, to just go, hey, for 30 minutes, we're going to read a scripture, and I'm going to get to maybe have have a little journaling session have some conversation about it, and then take one leadership lesson in my life and try to improve that and focus on it for today. And that's how it's been. And it keeps going. <laughs> so it's been very amazing to think, but it started with one day and it is every day. It's a choice that we make, whoever shows up every single day to say, I want to invest in myself to improve in this part of my life and, and so that's what I've committed to. And that discipline is what helps me continue to grow and get really clear. I love that you are consistent. Uh, it, it does take um, a type of tenacity in medical sales. Like you kind of have to have a little bit of a tenacity to be in that industry. There's a lot of no's. There's a lot of, you know, I mean, nowadays you probably don't get your, you know, face slammed in the door because you could get sued, uh, you know, <laughs> slamming, the, <laughs> slamming the door a little bit. But I think throughout your entire life, you've had these challenges, you've had difficulties that have come up, and you've always had the opportunity to look at it in one of two ways. Is this something that is going to make me stronger, or is this something that's actually going to cut me down and make me weaker? And I think you've always chosen every single circumstance in your life to make you better, to make you a bigger person on the inside. In terms of identity, I'm curious, have you always kind of had this certainty about your identity because there's so many people around us i think nowadays i find not even just young individuals i find i find individuals from all over the age spectrum that just don't know who they are their identity was either wrapped up in what they did their identity is wrapped up in their hobbies it's wrapped up in pretty much everything else besides actually understanding who they are and you come across as someone that really does know her identity. And I'm curious, has that always been the case? Is that something that recently, you know, within the last decade that kind of came around? When did you become so assured of yourself to say, you know what, this is who I am. This is who I'm going to stand out to be. This is who I'm created to be. Is that, is that always been there? Or is that something that was developed? I think my mom would tell you that it's always been there. And I feel like it's always been there because of the situations that just happened, right? And it's how you handle, how you decide to handle things and the strategies that you set up for your life. And I don't ever feel like I was like underprivileged or didn't have enough or wasn't enough. My great grandparents built an evangelistic center here in Indianapolis. And so I was raised in that environment of love. Like it was a clinic. It was a a tabernacle. It was a school. Like it was all these things. And so I was exposed from birth 
into that environment. And so I think from that, and then my grandparents, my dad's parents were song evangelists, Nazarene song evangelists. And I traveled the country with them every summer and, and just got to be really close with them. And it gave me so much confidence in the world because as I sat and participated in their life, I saw my grandfather get up and be on stage and my grandmother play the piano. And I saw the way that people responded when you were confident about what you believed, right? When you could speak about what you believed and you could testify in such an environment from 10 days to 10 days, they would live their life at different camps. And so Mm. talk about a circus today, right? But that's how they lived their life. They never had a stable job. It was, this is what we, we have a slate. And I think about today, you know, when you do an event, you've got your posters all over the place. And I go back through my grandparents stuff now and I look at all of these notices for camp meetings that he was all, all across the country. And, and I think, you know, I'm kind of following in that legacy from the family's DNA, if you will. And it just has always given me like, like that purpose that I felt like I had a message inside of my heart that I don't have siblings, I don't have distractions. You know, we were mm. never able to have kids. And I think God has just put something inside of me to say, look, you've got to speak about the confidence that people can get through their faith. They have to be able to know who they are so that they can make confident decisions and then not let the world drive this noise that's going on. And, and you know, we talked about starting the softball team. One of my friends came to me and said, hey, I'm playing on this other school league, but Gosh, it would be great if we had a school, if we had a school softball team. And so we got together and we said, what, what, what will it take? Well, you have to get 100 s- signatures. You have to go get a petition. You have to find a coach. So within a couple of weeks, we did it, you know, because we saw something that was a problem that we needed to solve. We started the first mm-hmm. broadcasting radio program at, at high school. You know, it was it was the things that we didn't say, why do we have to do it this way? We were like, why can't we? make a change and be the people to start it. And I think that's just have, that's why I kind of work with startup companies now. I love startup environments, disruptive thinking technologies, disruptive thinkers, innovators, because I can mm-hmm. see what they see. It's like, it's not created yet. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's go create yeah. it. <laughs> well, you've so. been on the forefront of that, uh, uh, of being able to see things before other people could see them, right? Like, the reason, maybe it's not directly related, but the fact that we have women in the Olympics nowadays is most likely attributed to you starting a softball team, to you being uh, an ice hockey player. Like, (laughs) those are some pretty big things that most people would go, yeah, no, that's not, like, if you rewound that many years ago, like, people wouldn't think that that was something that was going to happen. And I think, What's interesting is your your story is so different. Like today, your story would actually be maybe a little bit more common um, of, of growing up. In fact, I want to maybe even dive into that here for a moment. You know, you you have a mom uh, who was working as a nurse. Um, you know, your entire your entire childhood, and so you know who's who's raising Melanie, right? It's it's your your grandma and your grandpa, right? And, uh, Paul and May, right? Mm-hmm. And so they poured into your life. And what's fascinating to me is I'm, I'm seeing so many young kids today whose parents are removed 
and grandparents are now stepping into the shoes where parents should be. And it, it it's kind of heartbreaking to see that where parents aren't actually taking the initiative to raise their kids to do what is right by their own. Like you bring these offspring in, you should probably teach them something besides like <laughs> leaving and going to work and coming back. Like you should actually probably spend time having dinners, right? But what's interesting is the role of a grandparent has been fascinating to me for a while because seeing the impact that a grandparent has is so much greater than even a parent does have. And so I'm curious for you, when you were growing up, what was the level of impact that you had from your grandparents? Like you talked about being able to go with them and seeing them tour, seeing your grandmother play the piano, your grandfather get up and speak. Like that's pretty impactful. But on the back set of things, when it was just you guys, what were some of those stories? What were some of those takeaways that you go, man, I really want to live my life like this because of the quality of people that they are. Mm, just, you know, I love this conversation because they were the most influential in my life. When my dad passed away, you know, my mom was really confused. She was, she tells a story that, you know, she was 30 years old. I was five and she went back to the hospital in Indianapolis. We, he passed away in Florida where I was born as well. But he passed away. So we came back to Indianapolis and she did not tell anyone that she worked with that he passed away because mm. she said it was easier to pretend that he was still sick because there was no mentors. There were no people that would understand what she was going through. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that just broke my heart. And I only learned that a couple of years ago when I brought her on Clubhouse for wow. a Mother's Day special. I never knew that story. And so, but I think, you know, at that time, being 30 years old, having a five-year-old, trying to make it on your own, having some really tough decisions because her parents weren't as open and loving and faith-based as my grandparents. And so they were trying mm. to, you know, push their values so that they would protect me. And yet they lived in Florida. So I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with them. However, the time that I did spend with them was such quality that I understood the values mm. to carry with me. Right. And so they would always say, like, even if you're struggling with something that's really difficult in sports or in school, like it's not forever. It's just for today. And so I would, mm. you know, talk about struggles and they'd say, well, at 16, you'll have a car. Right. You can be able to go and do the things that you want to do differently. But for now, you have to figure out a strategy, right? You've got to figure out how to do this. And so I would listen to them, though, and talk about, you know, people that are in church as a business. So they were in camps and they were in the, the Nazarene um, society, right, of the foundational church. And and so I would hear things like on the business side, right? When you, If you've ever been in the church in, on a business side, it's a lot different than just going to church to receive. <laughs> and so I it's learned little, that. Little you see things back there, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. But I learned those things really, really fast. I just paid attention to it. And it was find the people that really respect and connect to your values and stay close to mm. those, right? Those are the ones that will protect you. Those are the ones that you want to have significance in your life pour into you. And the rest of it, don't let it get in your way. Like, don't let it bother you. If they didn't get, uh, you know, a slate for a certain camp, it, it wasn't like, oh, gosh, I wish I could have been speaking with that preacher or this or get or get recognition for that. You know, my grandfather, um, he my, my uncle, my dad was an identical twin and his brother mm -hmm. 
um, did recordings of my grandfather when he would be at different camps. And he recorded one of those right before he passed away in one of his last sermons. And, you know, he, he, he kind of talks about like, Hey, it's such a great baritone voice. Like he is phenomenal. Paul Qualls, Q-U-A-L-L-S. If you find it on YouTube, you'll listen to it. But it was, um, it was so amazing because he knew that he had a gift from God and that he wasn't, you know, he could have been hired. He could have been, you know, a real popular artist and he could have been on Sun Records and, and done all those things and traveled and made a million dollars because he had such a phenomenal voice. But he said that wasn't his calling. His calling was to work for God, to be able to testify to the things that he had learned in his life and to stay in that lane. And he, he just knew what his calling was. He was so confident. And that's where I think I watched him talk about and live those decisions. And he passed away when I was 21. So for mm. me, it was it, it was really hard to watch that happen and then lose somebody that I was so close to. But I took his values and, and tried to carry those through and thought, you know, it isn't that hard. You don't have to be afraid of things. You just have to be confident with who you are and then know that that's what matters. At the end of the day, that's what matters. That's so good. I love what these, I love that you say that he knew what his gift from God was. I think a lot of people wonder that, you know, what is my gift from God? You know, you, because of the Y Institute, you do a lot of work with Y and helping people understand really what their God-given purpose is. And I love that because so many people are wandering around not knowing what their purpose is in life. You know, one of the things I've said for quite a few years now is understanding your why is extremely important. I also think it's equally important to understand who your who is. Mm -hmm. Like who, who your identity is. Because I find a lot of people try to go out and find their why. And their why doesn't come out quite right because it's attached to all of these misidentity pieces in their life. Well, you know, this is who I am. You know, I'm the, I'm the fun, exciting guy that I just go out and everyone just thinks I'm the life of the party. When in actuality, they're like, they're like the doorpost that keeps the door open so everyone can walk into the party. Right. Like there's, there's some misidentification here of what, of what they identify as. <laughs> and I think it's really important to speak to that because so many people want to find purpose, right? Mm -hmm. But so many people start looking for purpose before actually saying, well, who am I? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what is it inside of me that is valuable and special? Because you and I both know everyone has value, right? Everyone is valuable in God's kingdom, but not everyone uh, is worth their wages, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you're, you are of value. So are you as saying a person. I'm going to be a janitor? You're, you're spiritual. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going like, to heaven. Everyone and has, <laughs> everyone has value spiritually. Everyone's soul is weighted heavily. Right. But then there are those that take the extra initiative to find out and to carve out what it is that they're good at. Maybe it's, they're not even good at it to begin with, but eventually they become good at that and they make it kind of their craft. You talked about earlier in, in the show about being a challenger and how recently you've kind of really embodied that. I'm curious because what I have found with talking with many people that once you start living in that identity, it doesn't matter necessarily if you know where you're going. It doesn't ne necessarily matter if you know 
all the checkpoints along the way or this is where I'm going to go, you know, and, you know, in five years, I'm going to have 6 million followers and da, 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 da. Like that doesn't necessarily matter as much as understanding that no matter what you do in life, you're the challenger and whatever challenge comes up, you're going to attack it. And if there's not a challenge, you create a challenge to fix the status quo. And so I'm curious when you know that identity of who you are, how does your perspective of life change? Oh my gosh, it's awful. <laughs> it's crazy. Because you know, when you know what you know, and you know that you didn't know that before, you see how clear things become so fast and so broad. And it's not just, just this like one step. You see the whole picture. You see everything about it. You see, uh, and when you start to act that way, right? When I said the very first thing is when you take action, Nathan, the things that I'm involved in today, it's because I've just shown up and people say, I, I see you. Like, I, I know I want you in this program. I want you to do this. And, and so we're running a girls program now at a high school this year because they said, well, you're everyday leaders. Like it's every day. It's an accredited program for young girls that are struggling. You know, there's 16 or 17 girls now in the program that have been chosen to be in it. And yet wow. I, I don't, I don't have kids. Right. I don't, I don't know. I don't, not in a school system. Um, I'm on a different board for a school system, but it's, it's the development of things that I never intended to be purposed to do. However, because of mm. my mindset and because I'm showing up, people say, I see that I need you to be able to help us figure this out. That's what's happened. That's what's happened. And that's like everywhere that I look, doing my women's programs on a monthly basis, you know, just getting people together to network with them, but helping them go, okay, well, what is it that you're struggling with that we can help you connect to different resources? And so when I talked about building community, I I feel that from my core, and then I look back at my DNA and say, well, nothing's ever really been recreated, right? It's always been there. I think my grandparents, my great-grandparents built the first, the first documented nursing home in the state of Indiana, but it was a tabernacle, a school, a clinic, like it was all these things, and yet it's now just a nursing home, right? Another company bought it in the 70s, and so it, it, it changed, but I feel like that's that's kind of in my heart that I need to be able to pull the community together and lift them. And that's really why the Everyday Leaders has moved into Everyday Business Leaders now that we're launching because I'm involved in our local chambers. I'm involved in really giving back to women's programs. I'm involved in the school programs and I'm on a lot of different boards. But I feel like that's how I can use my time to be the most impactful today to be a part and build community. Mm. So that's how it's really like the learning and the discipline and, and all of these things, you know, for the last six years, focusing on this, how to improve and, and get that clarity. That's what's happening. And it is, it's awesome. <laughs> like, you know, you just feel like <laughs> I'm actually doing something that, that will sustain, that it will, it will make a difference. And so that's how mm. I want to help. Like, that's my, how I can help. I love that because 
you're you're moving quickly. Like for for a short period of time here, you've kind of been on the back burner. You kind of took a step back and you're kind of reevaluating things. You're like, uh, uh, uh. maybe not with that same inflection of voice, but <laughs> you're evaluating things. And I find it I find it refreshing because so many people don't talk about the stepping back piece and then moving forward, right? It's, it's such an important aspect of growth to be able to stop, take a step back and then move forward. And I find that there's usually one of, there's three people here. There's the person that actually does that. They stop, they move back and then they move forward, right? They take a second, they reflect, they're like, oh, this is a really bad idea. Maybe I shouldn't invest in, you know, killer hornet bees. Yeah, that's, maybe that's not a good thing for the world. Um, and then you have other people that never stop. They're running a million miles an hour and they get to the point where they wake up one day halfway in a coma and they go, where am I? And life is pretty much gone because they've spent their entire life chasing something and they realize, oh my gosh, this was, this was not what I wanted for my life. So you have that person. And then you have one more person that is the oh, life is getting too, a little bit too crazy. Like I better step back and I better just go, you know, I'm going to take a sabbatical for the next five years. Eh, maybe 20, 20 years sounds good. I need, I need some really good rest. And then they never get back into the game. They never step back into the arena. It's always just this lackadaisical, well, I'm just doing self-care. It's about me and I need my needs. There really is a fine balance between, hey, you, you got to keep moving forward and hey, you need to be able to pull back so that you have the the stamina. You have to be able to have that space in your life to be able to comprehend what's going on. How important has that lesson been in your life to be able to stop, reflect, and then move back in? Mm, it's been huge because, you know, when you stop, when you kind of take a moment and you say, I need to evaluate the things that we're doing what's actually happening? Like, you know, running a podcast before COVID, before things were like crazy and you're like, oh, we're having a leadership podcast. What's that about? And, but it was because I wanted to learn from people, right? It goes back to that whole learner thing. I really wanted to understand. John inspired me. John Maxwell inspired me so much to say, what are you doing to help other people? And so as I mm. left that conference in 2017, I was like, oh my gosh, I have this responsibility. I'm turning 50 in January. What am I going to do? And it wasn't to climb a mountain. It wasn't to do, you know, it, to run a marathon. It wasn't to, to have a party. I was like, my grandparents were 50 years old when I was born. So it was my time to honor them, to do something to create some type of lifting people up, celebrating people, using my journalism, you know, love for, for technology and getting Joe involved <laughs> and, and really saying, how can I do this? Not like everybody else. How can I theme it so that it will be something that I will hold myself accountable to, be disciplined about and enjoy the journey? And so my birthday, January 12th, which is the second week in January. And one night we were just sitting on the couch and it really came to me that I was like, I want the program to be about consistency, about everyday leadership. So we should call mm. it everyday leaders. And if I work this magic number of 50 in, 
I'm turning 50. My grandparents were 50. Gosh, it's 50 weeks in my 50th year. Let's do a 50 and 50 theme, right? So that's where I kind of think like my disruptive mindset is like, I don't, I don't have to think of the right theme. I don't have to do this. But yet when you are thinking into it so hard and you're, and you're taking that time, right? John will tell you, go, go to a chair, go to your favorite place. Like take that time in the right space to think through something. And all of a sudden these ideas come to you that you say, these are something that are so valuable to me in my life. It's not just go do this, right? It's not like go do this, have the noise, go do it like everybody else. Just get on the air, make sure you're on every day. Like, no, that wasn't what anything was about. It was to honor some something in my life that I that was important that I valued and that I could share that with the world. And so here it is like 2023. It's been, you know, this is kind of the sixth year going. So we're launching this everyday business leaders. And I love the process that it has brought me back into because I'm not on a plane traveling with medical device companies. I'm actually in the community, serving the community. So this is the next right step, right? It all makes sense to me. I want to rewind way, 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 way back with you for a moment. And I want to touch, I want to touch on something. I think there's a cool lesson in here. You know, as, as a father myself, um, spending time with my kids is really important. I love how you talk about quality time. Quality time is the most important time. Even though you didn't get to spend a lot of time with your grandparents, the time that they spent with you was quality. It was invested time. And Melly, I know that you had a very, very small window of time with your dad before he passed. Um, I believe you were five when he passed. And during that time, I've heard you say that at that point in time, he was a stay at home dad, which is very rare. Like that doesn't, that doesn't, it really doesn't even really exist nowadays for people to hear that I spend time at home with my kids. Like I'm, I'm stay at home dad. And then I'm also a full-time coach and full-time speaker and all these other things. They are like, how do you sleep? What is sleep? Right? Like <laughs> you can sleep when you're dead, <laughs> but I'm curious for you. Cause you've, you've truly cherished and talked about that time that it was time that you got to spend with your dad. And I think a lot of kids don't get that today. I'm curious about his role in your life, even though it was brief, it was so impactful to you. How did his role in your life for those short years, how did that play into you becoming the woman that you are today? And what role do you step into most consistently now, knowing that every single day you are a leader, every single day you have only, you only have the next breath to pour into someone else. What role do you step into today? So what was the role that your father had with you and how that carried over? And how do you step in today with your current roles when you're working with, you know, a, a young girl or working with a guy who's trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life and why, or maybe it's an old man who doesn't know what he wants to do with his life because he's wasted most of it. Right. <laughs> what, what would you say that is? You know, he always had fun. He always had fun. We had monkeys. <laughs> well, yes. We well, had well, monkeys. Well. Yeah, now you're talking curveballs. <laughs> So that that whole <laughs> nursery rhyme that my kids have been singing for five monkeys jumping on the bed, one jumped off and bumped his head. Four, we had one four on a motorcycle. On that like literally happened to you. You it were really you, you literally had the 
you guys were singing the song about the monkeys. Like that's where you were the originator of the monkey song, weren't you? Right now for the record, your father was a run. (laughs) He wrote the song for you about you and the actual monkeys. (laughs) Get off the bed. No, we, um, you know, he was an identical twin and I think he just, he was kind of the instigator of the two, right? So he was the one that always challenged things. He was the one that started stuff. He was the one that they got motorcycles that looked exactly alike, which I actually have his motorcycle, <laughs> uh, which is really cool. But <laughs> I can't throw stuff away. <laughs> you should see my garage. Uh, but we had monkeys. And here's what's really cool about this. You're going to love this, Nathan. Um, when I was born, my grandmother started writing in her diaries. She started that when I was born. And she wrote in her diaries until she died. And I have those diaries. Yeah. And I was sitting at church one day, and Joe's on our production team. And, and so we were actually sitting together one day because he was off. And I don't know what the minister said, but it's something about, you know, are you at the time in your life where you need to reflect on who may have been in that moment that you're in today? So let's go back to 1973. 1973, my grandmother was 55 years old, the age that I am right now. And so I went to her diaries and I got out the 1973 diaries. And so every day this year, I have been going through every day what she was going through as my dad was sick, as he's getting treatments at Palo Alto, as I'm starting kindergarten, like I just, I want to cry right now. It's been unbelievable to think about now after all these years, really thinking about the intention of what I've been going through this moment, like these days right now are exactly what was happening as he was sick 50 years ago. Again, the number 50, right? (laughs) But it has been, and, and why was I in that service at that moment and listened the way that I listened? Maybe nobody else heard it the way that I did, but it, it struck a chord in me to say, you have, you have those diaries. Like you, you have those now you should, you should go look at those. And so now I'm sharing those with my mom. Like, Oh, do you remember this? And she's like, Oh yeah, that was our second trip to California. And this is what happened. And not a lot of people have that kind of experience. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think knowing who I am and I, and I don't have the noise in my life that I, it's important to me. It's important for me to experience those things. So as I, as I walk through this year, I'm like, wow, December 15th is going to be a really, really difficult day because that's the day that he died. Um, mm. But, but I, I love that, right? I love experiencing like, what was he doing? How did he feel? How hopeful was he? I learned to tie my shoes when I was in California, you know, as we were watching Night of the Living Dead, like that's all documented. <laughs> Very responsible adult. Uh, <laughs> I won't talk about what I've been uh, subjecting my, my, my kid. you know, what's, I will say, you know, it's really funny. My, my wife and I, we had this um, altercation this weekend. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Disagreement. Uh, we were, we were visiting my folks and uh, the kids were, were singing songs uh, with me uh, and they're singing. They're, they're not singing like kids songs. They're singing like adult worship songs or just like country songs or something like that. 
and my wife looks at me and she says, you've ruined our kids. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean I've ruined them? She's like, they won't sing kid songs with me. They won't do bebop tunes or anything like that. All they, as soon as I put on the music, they just say, can we have dad's music? We want dad's music. Dad's music's better. You know, my, <laughs> so I, I love that about your dad that he, <laughs> He was culturing you. He's making he sure culturing you're cultured. Ready I, I, for it's documented. We rode the motorcycle with the monkey, right? <laughs> I have it done in writing. <laughs> in writing. This is actual proof. The only thing that would make it better is if there was video or some kind of photo of this. <laughs> I know. I know. I've got a photo of the monkey. He's in a cage in our trailer that we lived in. <laughs> This was before animals had rights, so don't go, you know, throwing fruit at her or something like that. And like, don't be throwing stuff against the wall. She's 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 really nice. I'm sure she's really nice to animals nowadays. We'll talk about that when we get off the show. No. I tell all my nieces and nephews, like I, I challenge Joe all the time, like, okay, don't do that to me because I'm gonna go get a monkey. And he's like, No, you're not gonna do that again. <laughs> what was that? Tiger King, you could be monkey monkey queen. All right. Yeah, you know what? I like it. Everyday business leaders, if we have somebody from the zoo come in, you know we're going to have a monkey on here. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because coming in the studio right now, just kidding. <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing? So I, I love that. I love that about your dad. I, so I'm curious about what is what's the role that you step into now? You know, you know, I love that he was the challenger. I love that he was the comedic relief. I love that he was kind of, he, he reminds me, uh, just based off of what you're saying, he reminds me a lot of you. And so I'm curious, how do you step out of his shoes and into your shoes today? Like, what are the shoes that you fill as you're meeting with different people? Because, you know, as a coach, as a speaker, as someone who has their hands in so many different things, truly adding value to people, what is that common role that you step into for people? You know, I think giving them that assured confidence to say, just because you haven't done it the way that you see it, it can be done. Like it, we can figure it out. Mm. There's always a solution. And, and so don't be afraid of what you haven't tried before. And that's what I think I've always carried with me from him. It's just because you don't, you know, nobody else is doing this. So what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Try it. You could find enjoyment in something that you've never experienced before. And that'll be a memory that you get to carry mm. with you for the rest of your life. You are such a growth minded individual. <laughs> You're always looking for new ways to challenge yourself. You know, before we jumped on, we were talking about your sailing uh, adventures I'm curious, uh, you know, as, as a sailor, as a, as a boat, are you a boat navigator? Do we call you captain, oh captain ache? <laughs> I don't, what should we call you? The sailor ache. I don't know. <laughs> Co-pilot. <It's crazy. laughs> hey, no, I've, I've seen photos of you with the mask. Is it the mask? Yeah. I think it's the mask that, you know, staring at with your feet, with your feet, not even your hands. That's how comfortable she is on a sailboat. She's using her feet to steer the thing around and oh people are flying God. left and right. You've got cocktail waiters <laughs> falling overboard. No, just kidding. But, you know, Melanie, you truly are uh, an adventurous person. As soon as you see something that's new, you're excited to jump into it. Tell me, tell me at least one thing that you've been learning as you've been diving into this world of sailing. <laughs> 
It's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that would be me. It's, I don't think it's for me. It's definitely not for um, Here's the thing, right? It's, it's how you look at it. It's the perspective because everything on the water is in perspective of the wind, everything. And it doesn't mm. matter what you plan to do today. You could say, great, I look at the weather and I, I get up in this wind direction and, and I try to control all this and we're going to go out for this beautiful sail. And then a storm comes in. We've had it happen several times. You're in the middle of the lake and all of a sudden you see these great clouds and you're like, five minutes ago, it's not on the radar. What's going on? But you, if you're always preparing, you're always prepared. And so whatever precautions you have to take, whatever position, whatever clothing, whatever you need to do to prepare yourself for the greatest storm that comes through, you have to get ready for that because it can happen at any moment, at any moment. It happened to us when we were sailing from Traverse City all the way at the top of Michigan, all the way down to Michigan City, our very first day. Mm. We lost our engine. <laughs> We had a rope that got tied around the propeller shaft. Like it was bad. And we called for help, right? We called for help. And the Coast Guard said, but you're a sailboat. <laughs> like, we don't need to help you. You're a sailboat. Put your sails up. It was our first day on our brand new boat. Right? We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and we were in the middle of Lake Michigan, like, okay, we'll figure it out. And we did. But, you know, at that point, what do you do? You you only do what you know how to do, whatever you've prepared for at that point, whatever capacity you have. And so if you're not mm. stretching yourself, if you're not growing, if you're not able to see like that you can solve problems, even though you haven't solved this one before, that's what you have to take away from it. And you've got to do that every single day to continue to stretch yourself so that the things that mm. are of value that come to you. Maybe you're not solving a problem for you, but you get to solve it and help somebody else solve a problem that's even greater and bigger. Mm. And you have way more impact when you get to do it that way. Oh, man. Uh, I If you guys didn't catch all that, you need to go back, rewind, listen to that again and listen to it again. It's, it's, it's so good. It, it reminds me of this story. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Richard Earl Simmons' book, um, The True Measure of a Man. But in the beginning of the book, if I recall, he, he talks about this ship that's being built. It it looks amazing. He gets it out to sea and everyone's like celebrating that, it, you know, it's just the most amazing ship that's ever been built, the sailboat. And it goes out to sea and immediately it hits a storm. And the storm hits it and it immediately sinks. And the reason it sinks is because he wanted to make it look so good on the outside that he neglected to make the boat stable, to fill it with the right things, to be of substance. And so many people nowadays do not have substance because they haven't taken the time to build their life on substance. Whether that's, you know, I know how important faith is to you. So many people do not build their life on a solid rock. They build their life on a sandbar that's constantly shifting and, and being washed away it really does complete everything that we're talking about is the importance of being a person of quality, being a person of character that shows up that is doing the things that they were created to do. If you're listening to this, I want to make sure that you go follow Melanie Ake. Um, you can follow her 
on her podcast. You can go over to any major podcast platform and you can search for the Everyday Leaders podcast. And soon you'll be able to find the Everyday Leaders business podcast, which I highly recommend you going and finding when that, once that launches because it's going to be absolutely amazing. But you can also find her at her website at everydayleaders.com. Melanie, before we wrap up here, I want to ask you one last question because you know, first of all, I just love our time together. It's been spectacular. Every time we get together, there's there's laughing, there's crying, whether that's crying because you made me sad or we're crying because we were laughing so hard. You know, in the beginning, before we even started the recording of this episode, I told you that my face hurt because we were laughing so much and so hard. <laughs> I love that because it truly is you. It, you are such a bright uh, and shiny star in, in this world. And I love that you reflect, um, you know, the creator. So I want to ask you this last question here before we wrap up. Um, Melanie, there's a lot of people in the world who are focused so much on success. They're focused on what they need to achieve, what they need to do. They're focused on monetary things. If, you know, I want to get the car, I want to get the house. I want to make this much money on and on and on and on. There's so many people that are focused on the doing. And my big focus is taking the focus off of the doing and bringing it back to the human being part. How do we be? And I think it's one of the things that's, that's really lost in this world. And so if you had a moment to rewind, go back to a younger version of yourself and speak encouragement to her, knowing everything that you've experienced, all the difficulties, all the ups, if you could go back and you could tell her to be one thing knowing that it would that it would actually propel her into the right place, who would you tell her to be? Mm. Herself. I would say herself. And, and I would say find a mentor, understand what a mentor is, ask her, that can help you, not just your family, but a mentor that can help you in business, in life, find those people to connect to. If you know who you are, then develop those relationships with those people that, that want to pour into you. And knowing that, you know, having a capacity to do that will propel your life so much greater, so much faster, so much, so much clarity for you. Some people don't ever find that. They don't ever find it in their whole life. But if they're, if you're confident like I was gifted with that, I think, from birth. And then I was challenged with a lot of things that happened. But I always had the outlook, right? And so I would I would tell her to, to keep going, to keep finding, keep connecting to those people that can pour into you. You know, when I found John Maxwell, it was it was a God thing. You know, I tell a lot of people, I family says that his father, Melvin, preached with my great-grandfather at our tabernacle. And it just warms mm. my heart to think about did that happen? And if that happened, how cool that is. And to know that my journey has purpose for people that haven't connected back to everything in their life that they can, as Steve Jobs always says, right? Connect those dots. You've got to take time to connect those dots faster so that you can get your clarity for who you really are designed to be. You do that, your life is going to be phenomenal. So good. Melanie, thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely an honor. We're going to have to have you come back because there's so many more stories that we want to hear about, like these monkeys that are on the motorcycle and on the bed and all these other kinds of crazy things. 
But for those of you that are listening out there in the world of uh, podcast world or whether that's YouTube or fill in the blanks of uh, where you can find this podcast, which is pretty much everywhere, uh, we want to thank you again and remind you to be more, see more, experience more together. We'll see you next time.